0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Leah Walsh, and this is Rosette, the podcast. And welcome to Rosetta the podcast. I'm so excited to be doing this very first episode with you. It's been a long time coming and I'm so excited to be finally recording podcast episodes for this series that I'm doing related to ethical consumerism, ethical business practices, uh, fair trade, uh, sustainability, all of these different things that are really important in the world of business and the world of consumerism. So thank you so much for joining me. My name is Leah Walsh. I am the owner of the Rosette Network. And what the Rosette Network does is, it brings together a few different projects that I'm working on that have a focus that is sustainability, and that can be environmental sustainability. It can be social sustainability. Doing stuff related to fair trade, which is a big chunk of what Rosette does, um, and a lot of what we're talking about today is actually going to be related to fair trade because I very much on purpose am launching this podcast during Fair Trade Month, which is May in Canada. Well, I'm in Canada. If you can't tell by my accent, I am Canadian, <laughs> and we're we're going to be doing episodes related to fair trade for all of May because it is fair trade month and we always celebrate that because my business Rosette Fair Trade is a fair trade business that that focuses on ethically produced uh, products from all over the world. And they're all fair trade products. So that's sort of the theme of today's episode, we're going to be talking about fair trade and the basics of fair trade, just to sort of make sure everyone's on the same page. So that when I say the words fair trade, that everyone understands what I'm talking about. So First of all, I want to just really uh, briefly touch on what Rosette the Podcast is all about. So we're going to be doing some educational podcasts around sort of, it'll just be, <laughs> it'll just be me talking, sorry, but I do want to do just sort of some educational content around uh, what is ethical consumerism and like how can businesses do business ethically and talking about sort of case studies and examples and giving some history and background to the consumer movements and, and uh, business movements that have sort of contributed to ethical consumption and production of products. And so that's going to be one part of it, but also I'm really excited that we're going to be having tons of interviews as well. And so we're going to be talking to everyone from activists who are doing community work around education and uh, even increasing availability of ethical products. And we're going to be talking to business owners that are working on, um, you know, bringing products to the Canadian market for fair trade consumers. And we're going to be talking to all sorts of people in between. We're going to be talking to people who are much smarter than me (laughs) and uh, know a lot more about on the ground. What does this kind of stuff actually mean to producers who are in the developing world who are able to then earn a living wage from uh, these products that that are now being purchased by Canadians halfway across the world. So I'm really excited about all of that. And so without further ado, let's get into our first sort of educational episode, which is what is fair trade? What is what is sort of the 101 of what fair trade is. Fair trade is a consumer movement essentially where people started demanding products that were fair. And really quickly let's talk about where that comes from. So sweatshops and child labor you know, you say these things and everyone's like, oh yeah, no, those are bad. Those are definitely bad. Those are not things I agree with. Those are not things that I want. These are sort of universal ideas that we sort of, we hear and we say, okay, yeah, no, of course I don't want to be like hiring children to like make my products. That that sounds terrible. I don't want to be part of that. Part of the issue is that in Canada, for example, we have really strict regulation around labour and we have really strict enforcement around those regulations. But unfortunately, that is not the case everywhere. And so there are, unfortunately, some... Products and some companies that are engaging with this sort of sweatshop, child labor, not paying people properly. We're talking, you know, as much as as anything else, we're talking about trafficking humans for labor. And when we talk about people who are not being paid, and forced to do hard labor, you know, we think about an era of Canada, where we had literally had people enslaved. And that's like a very, like, it's a really horrific idea for us. But we don't really consider it an issue anymore, because slavery is over, right? Whereas what's really happened is that a lot of these things do actually still occur, they just are out of sight. And it doesn't mean that we have no connection to them. Because after all, many of the products that we purchase are coming from other parts of the world where we don't have that personal connection, we can't really see how our products are being made. And so the same kinds of Hard labor for no pay, literally stealing people, you know, stealing people across borders and so on, smuggling kids sometimes as young as like eight or nine years old, um, the cocoa industry is really bad for this. And there's a lot of really interesting um, stuff you can find on on YouTube around the cocoa industry. This is part of a sort of a broader pressure, which is this pressure from companies to say, I want to pay as little as possible because I want my profits to be as high as possible. And partly that comes also from consumers who say, oh, I don't want to pay $4 for this chocolate bar. So I'm going to get the one that's $1. So this is from all levels that these producers are feeling the pressure to lower the cost of production. And so we end up with producers who say, well, if I just like have a happy-go-lucky farm where it's me and my family, and we, you know, harvest the cocoa pods and split them open and get them ready for uh, being processed and everything. And we process them and sell them to somebody who's treating me nicely and all of that stuff. If I do all of that, then it costs more for me to produce the cocoa than I'm getting for the cocoa. And that's where the problem lies, is how can we expect people to do things ethically when doing things ethically costs more money than it costs to traffic children across a border? So... Basically, fair trade is about making sure that the sorts of protections that we can enjoy in Canada as laborers, as workers, are observed for people in other parts of the world. This is a really crucial part as well. Fair trade is about payment of a fair price. That fair price is exactly what guarantees that we're not having these human rights violations, you know, that people are up allowed bathroom breaks at work, that people are not being forced to work more than a reasonable number of hours in a row, that people are being paid enough that they can actually meet their basic needs. And these are not places typically that fair trade products are coming from where the the standard of living is extremely expensive. This is often places where the standard of living is, is quite inexpensive. And yet still, we see that a lot of these workers are not paid enough to look after themselves meet their basic needs and maybe you know send their kids to school that seems like pretty basic um so this is a lack i think of understanding uh so i like to do a lot of education around fair trade because i don't think a lot of people who hear what fair trade is are like oh no no i don't agree with any of that (laughs) i think most people are like no no okay yeah that sounds that sounds pretty good um i don't want a Uh, you know, a six year old sewing my soccer balls, because their little hands are better to go in those tiny holes to sew them up, um, which is an actual thing that happens. So I think, You know, with this information, I think a lot of people really develop a lot more sort of compassion and passion around what they want to stand up for as consumers. And so it's sort of my job to go out there and educate people about like what the situation is so they can make an informed choice. I've said to a lot of people a lot of times in my life, you know, I'm not going to stand here and say you have to have this or this or this value. Your values are your values. I can't necessarily change that. But what I can do is change the information that you have so that you can make an informed choice that what you're choosing to do is in line with the values that you do have. If you're very like anti-animal cruelty, but you're purchasing things that are tested on animals that are causing harm to animals, there's a disconnect there. You don't know that the product that you're purchasing is hurting animals. Or you wouldn't be doing that because you're really passionate about protecting animals. And so if you're missing that information, that education piece, then that's really easy to fix. Can I go to you and be like, you know what? You shouldn't care about animals. I mean, I can, but what's the point? You're, you're going to care about animals, <laughs> you know? I feel like for the most part, actually, you're going to care even more about animals if someone tells you not to. So I feel like that part is not really my place. And my place is to say like, you are a compassionate person. I see that you care about your fellow human. Have you heard about some of these things that are going on in the world? And have you heard that there is a possible way for you to feel empowered in pushing back against that? And so fair trade is a movement that is working to empower workers primarily, there is an environmental component. So it depends which fair trade system you're working with. So there's different certifiers and uh, verifications throughout the world. You know, you'll have different organizations that are sort of part of this big collective movement of like, we want a fairer way to do trade. And some sort of labels that you'll see on products have slightly different standards, but they're all sort of under the umbrella of these basic principles of fair trade that include things like no child labor, that people get paid a living wage, that payment is reasonable, like the price is reasonable that you're paying for that produce or that product, that there's a goodwill coming into this trade partnership that you're not just there to squeeze that person as much as possible to make as much profit as you can, that you're actually considering the well being of the producers. Or sometimes it's um, it's a handicraft, like, um, like a maker, basically, who makes like cards or jewelry or what have you. There's always an environmental component as well. And the environmental component depends. But you've got, for example, Fair for Life, which is an IMO... Uh, branch. And their original organization was actually an organic certifier. And then they realized that a lot of the things in the process of ensuring that it was environmentally sustainable actually created social sustainability as well. And so they were like, well, let's have a fair trademark too. So they came along and they said, okay, we have this logo now This this fair for life logo. And this one means that it's actually fair trade as well. And so a lot of um, the standards are pretty high in terms of the environmental element. But of course, because this one started as organic, you can expect that like the environmental stuff is going to be extra important in this label. Whereas you have something like Fair Trade Federation, which primarily works with people who do handicrafts and like handmade items. And because those things so often are lower impact on the environment to begin with, like, you know, we're not talking about agriculture and stuff that really has a, a, an intimate relationship with the earth. So for Fair Trade Federation, you're going to have a lot of focus on the the treatment of the worker. And do they prioritize things like using upcycled materials to make the items that the person's making? Yes, of course. Do they prioritize handmade cards made out of recycled papers? Of course. Those are those elements are in there, but they may not be as adamant about every element of the environmental sustainability as another label is. There's always something there to put the focus on environmental sustainability, but it will depend what that is based on what the, the label is that we're talking about considered sort of the the gold standard for a lot of people is fair trade international and fair trade international is the one that most people recognize it's like a little it's a little dude who's blue and black and green and he looks like a little dude putting his arm up and he looks kind of like a yin yang as well so if you've seen that little symbol and obviously, like in the show notes, there's all sorts of links to I'm going to put a link to all sorts of different stuff. And one of them will be to a page that talks more about the fair trade labels. And you'll be able to see it there. But it's like this little blue and green. I call them the little the little yin yang dude. That's what I call him. Um, <laughs> so so this is uh, Fair Trade International. And this label in Canada is done by Fair Trade Canada. And Fair Trade Canada Works with the Fairtrade International standards that are by some considered the gold standard of fair trade. So the strictest standards in the industry. And they have extremely strict environmental standards, they have extremely strict social standards, and they even have a premium, a fair trade premium that all of the producers are paid which is above and beyond the payment of a fair price for their produce. So that premium is that invested in community projects that makes fair trade not just, you know, useful and, you know, more dignified for the people who are actually doing the trade, but also the broader community comes to benefit as well because oftentimes that fair trade premium which they decide democratically sort of within the cooperative, which is normally what we're dealing with with fair trade, it's often a cooperative, they democratically decide what is that going to be put towards. And often it is things like health care, education, um, clean drinking water, these types of things, which of course, don't just benefit the guy growing the cocoa beans, or the person, you know, picking the cotton, it benefits every person who's in that area, every single person now has access to that drinking water has access to, you know, there's a neonatal, unit now available because they decided to make a a, like a prenatal center for people who are pregnant and who who needed obviously care and it was this old uh basically someone had come in and said i think it was the government was going to build a hospital but then i guess the government changed or what have you and they ended up not finishing the hospital so what they did was they took this fair trade premium and they finished the hospital and they spruced it up and it's now a neonatal unit And so now everyone for miles can come and have their baby safely in this unit where previously, you know, all sorts of people would have complications during pregnancy and Obviously, if you're not in a sterile and like safe environment, that's going to be even more, um, dangerous for the, the parents involved and also for the, for the potential for the child. And so these types of things really benefit not only the person who is in the cooperative, who is doing the work and, and all of that, but also to the broader community. So it allows them also to give back, which is also like a really nice and, and, well, I feel anyway, a, a, a dignified feeling of like, I have enough now to to take care of myself, but also I have enough left over here, we have this little fund that we can also give to our community. And so and so that's a really nice, um, that's a really nice perk to the Fair Trade International system as well. So all of these different systems, they all sort of are part of what is under the umbrella of fair trade. And so when we talk about fair trade, the basics of, you know, no sweatshops, you know, people are getting paid for their work, um, making sure that people are getting a fair price, all of these different things, the environmental considerations, all of these different things are part of a movement that basically decided that, you know what, we're the ones holding the money as consumers. And we're going to take that money and we're going to put it towards businesses and organizations that we feel good about. And so the really nice thing is that fair trade is really empowering for consumers. There's this phrase we use in the community all the time that is vote with your dollar. So put your money where your mouth is, right? Put your money where your values are. And so Fair trade allows consumers to do that because then they don't have to constantly research every single detail of every single product, of every single step of production and all that. They can say, okay, I feel good about this system of fair trade." Therefore, anything that has that mark on it, I feel comfortable buying. And it really takes out a lot of the like nitty gritty research required for every single product while also allowing people to buy in line with their values. So that's my briefer on what fair trade actually means. This is sort of fair trade 101. Obviously we'll get deeper into these kinds of issues as the series continues. And as the series continues, I'm going to also discuss with my guests that I'm going to have on for interviews, you know, what is their relationship with fair trade and also with sort of ethical business and consumerism themselves. And also talking about other fun stuff. Um I have a set of questions that are really fun for for my guests that I'm planning to ask every episode and so we'll see uh we'll see what kind of fun answers we get from those. My deepest thanks for joining me today on the first episode of Rosette the Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. It helps so much. I'm a one-person army and it's really tough to compete with these other huge podcasts. But if you subscribe and you leave me a a five-star review, it really, really helps to sort of boost the visibility of this little grassroots project. So I really, really appreciate it. If you have questions or suggestions of topics that you'd like us to cover, please email us at podcast at rosettenetwork.com and I'll be so happy to look over your emails and do my best to cover the topics that you're sending in. And last but not least, thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.